What's going on, y'all? Got your Bibles. We still in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. Oh, in that verse 1, when you get there, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you just for being God and for allowing us to know you as God. Please open up your word, open up your truth, help us to see it, to understand it, to live it, to love it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Proverbs chapter 11. We're picking up, continuing. We made it through 32 of the Proverbs of Solomon in this section of 395, if I remember right. Verse 1 says, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his his delight. A false balance is abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. Now, a false balance is something we really don't understand too often nowadays. Back in in ancient cultures, the way that he exchanged money a lot of times was through weight. So things cost this many shekels of gold or things cost this many ounces of silver. And one of the, the, the basic cons of the day was when you set your scale, you weighed it. So you 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 get your little three ounces of silver, but you have some, some some tape to the bottom of it. You put a little sand in the bottom of your scales, anything to make it off balance so that when people pay and they try to match up, it end up costing them more than what it's supposed to. And that's what he's referring to here when he's saying a false balance or a false weight is an abomination to God. He's talking about dealing business and being deceitful in business. And the idea is that God hates it. God loathes it. God truly can't stand it when people are phony in their business. When you cheat people, when you rob people, when you take advantage of folks. That's something God can't stand. And this is the idea that we really need to get it into our head that we are supposed to be just people. So a righteous weight. When you're doing righteous business, you are supposed to do business in a manner that brings pleasure to God. And that, in that manner is you, you do straight up business. We don't cheat people. We're not fake people. We're not false people. Because we are the people of God. And we understand that when we do business. When you're doing an exchange. God is involved in that. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And God looks at the way that we do business. So when you cheat people. Whether it's the government. Whether it's your brother. Your sister. Your cousin. God looks at that and God hates it. So a deceitful businessman is an enemy of God. And God is not pleased when we deal deceitfully with one another. And that's one of the linchpins of this book. We're going to run across this in a different couple of ways. But it's an idea that needs to be highlighted. Because it's something like the church people have problems with. Then you got administrators and preachers and all that stuff. They do tricky stuff with the books and the business. They, they tell you we're taking up a donation because we're going to put a new roof on the church. And they take up donation for three or four years and don't no roof ever get put on the church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? God ain't cool with that. You know I'm saying? We, we finna send missionaries to somewhere and we need this amount of dollars and they take up donations for the whole summer. And then they don't ever tell the people like, hey, Brother Jones, he paid for the whole trip. Y'all can stop giving your money. That's dealing in deceitful weight and God loathes that. So when we do business, we straight up in our business. A just weight 
is his delight. God takes pleasure in that. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? In verse 2, it says, when pride comes, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So the prideful, connected with being a prideful person, a boastful person, somebody who put themselves up or over against somebody else, is shame or disgrace. But with the lowly is wisdom. So we got this contrast of the prideful and that lowly is the humble. So humble people have wisdom. They can move and navigate this life in a manner that's inconsistent with the prideful. But there's shame, there's disgrace that comes with prideful people because as we saw in the earlier proverb, pride puts you in a position where you're the enemy of God. While the, hum- the humble are being hum- having humility puts you in a position where God favors you. And so that's why he says wisdom with the, with the lowly. Because God is on your team. He's he helping you navigate life. But with the pride, there's shame or there's disgrace because God is your enemy. Y'all understand what I'm saying? So the prideful people, the boastful people, God is in opposition to them. That's why shame is connected with pride. Because at some point in time, God going to make you bring you low. He'll let you reach your height. He'll let you do your thing. But he's going to cut your knees off at some point in time. But with the lowly, when you stay humble, you're in a position where God can guide you and he's willing to lift you up. So that's the opposition that we got. So shame is connected with pride while wisdom is connected with humility. And it's going to be a theme that's going to run through these next couple. It says in verse three, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. So the integrity, that's that ability to maintain or to be straight laced. That that hardness or that stubbornness in your rightness. So the integrity of the upright. And this is the idea. Just give you a picture because I like this proverb. Somebody whose heart is righteous and desiring to be right. Their mindset that they're not going to be in is the thing that's going to navigate them through life. You get a, a picture of that with Daniel. When Daniel was taken into captivity, he had a mind that, I'm not going to defile myself in this ancient place. So when he got there, he already knew what he was going to do. There were no decisions to be made. Because he he had his mind made up that he was going to maintain his righteousness, maintain his purity, maintain his holiness. And that standard was was the thing that guided him and made him navigate the way that he navigated. You understand what I'm saying? So if you have a mindset, let's just say... uh. I'm going to always be honest with people. That's my uprightness. I'm just going to tell the truth. Anytime I'm getting a position, a tight position, if I have integrity in my mindset, so if I'm stubborn about that thing, that I'm always going to tell the truth, that makes my decisions for me. There ain't nothing for me to figure out. So when you put me in a predicament, like, what you going to do? I already know what I'm going to do. Because my heart and my mind is to tell the truth, and I'm stuck on that. And that's the integrity, the, the, the willingness to maintain that same thing no matter what. And that's what's going to guide you in your decisions. I, I don't have to make decisions. Because of who I am, because of what I do, most of the decisions are already made. I just have to act on them. And that's what he means by the integrity of the upright shall guide them. You already know what you're going to do. I, got, some I, I freak my boys out with at work. It was like, you, man, you, you, you don't get upset. Ain't no need to. Why is that? Because I already know what I'm going to do. So ain't nothing you can do that's going to shock me or surprise me. 
cuss me out, get mad, upset. I already know what I'm going to do. And I already got my mind made up going into the situation. So ain't no need for me. Oh, man. Well, how did, uh, no, I already know what I'm going to do. And that's, it's that integrity, that willingness to maintain and to do what I'm supposed to do. Because of that, that's what guide the decisions. So for the truly upright in heart, most of your decisions are already made. So you cut down on the amount of things that you have to think about. That integrity guides you. It leads you. But on the contrast, it says the perverse, the perverseness of the transgressor shall destroy them. That perverseness is that twisting it of those who sin or those who go against the law. That's going to destroy them. So one thing going to guide you and help you navigate life while the other one is going to bring you to ruin. And guess what the catch word is throw back to something I taught a long time ago. When you hear that word perverseness, what do you think about? Anybody? Somebody that's sick, what you think? Okay, that's a good one. What you got, Butte? Something that's tainted. Perverse is something that's tainted. What you got, my man, when you hear the word pervert? What you think? What come to your mind? Something different. Okay. Now, the reason I ask that question is, y'all a little bit better than me. Because initially, when I first heard that word, I'm thinking about the old man that like to mess with little girls. Yeah, well, okay, so your mind was close to mine when I first heard that word, but one day I thought about it. And I tried to wrestle with the meaning of the word. The meaning, all it means is to alter or to twist. Like you saying, something that's contrary, something that's different than what it was intended to be. And I thought about it. Everybody who lives in sin is a pervert. Because you were made to tell a, tell the truth. So if you're lying, you're a pervert. <laughs> We've been technical about this thing. Because you were made for one thing and you altered the purpose of that. That's all a pervert is. And here he's saying the perverseness of a transgressor, that altered state of being, that, that, that heart that has been twisted from what it was created to be, that's the thing that's going to destroy them. Because if you put it in the con- uh, in contrast to the integrity of the upright, is this upright man can navigate life and he knows what he's going to do and it's going to guide him and lead him because he's trying to maintain his uprightness. But this perverse man whose heart has been twisted, he's not sure because he can't see life right. And so he's going to make decisions based off his perversion, that twistedness of his heart, which going to lead to ruin. Because you ain't going to do what is supposed to be done because your heart ain't right. And that's how the perverseness of the transgressor is the thing that's going to destroy them. There's going to be a way that's clear. There's going to be a way that's plain. But because your heart is twisted, you won't see it right. And you're going to go astray in a manner that's going to lead to your destruction. And that's why we can have people that, I'm saying, that, that, that reach great heights. I always think about Martin Luther King. Dude, did something nobody else done. But he had a perverseness in him. He couldn't keep his hand off women. If the history is true. If what they tell us in them books is true. He couldn't keep his hand off women. That's something that God does not take delight in. So while we see him as a man to be celebrated. And a man to be honored. In trueness of his heart that perversion of his heart, that he couldn't be out in the public eye because he couldn't keep his hand off women. 
So the very thing that brought him honor in our thing, in our eyes is one of the things that destroyed him when it comes to his personal life. Because he became a celebrity, which means he became a person that made contact with a whole lot of women. And he couldn't keep his hand off women. And his marriage would have been a whole lot better if he was just a no-name dude cleaning toilets at, at, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, somewhere downtown. Because he wouldn't have had a whole lot of women coming. Because <laughs> he couldn't keep, y'all understand what I'm saying. So it's that perversion that, that, that messed him up. But it's that integrity. If you got your mind made up that I'm following this uprightness, that's going to guide you through life. In verse 3, I mean verse 4. The richest profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivered from death. So when you got money, when it comes to the day of wrath, the time of judgment, the time where condemnation is poured down, your money ain't going to help you. But righteousness delivers in the day of death. So the day of wrath is compared to the day of death. So that time where death comes upon you, righteousness has the ability to take, make you escape from it. But riches can't do nothing for you. So it puts us in the mindset, which one should we pursue? Riches or righteousness? We should pursue righteousness. Because riches can't help you when it all come down to it. When it's time to die, when it's time to fess up, and you can't connect to no amount of money that can help you in that time. Verse 5, it said, the righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. It's saying in another way, the righteousness of the perfect, those who are complete, are whole in their way. Ain't none faking them. Ain't none phony in them. So that's going to direct their way. Make your path straight. But the wickedness, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The same thing. Once you're righteous and you live in that righteousness, that's going to make life easy for you. It's going to direct you. It's going to put you in positions where you make the right decision. But when you're a wicked man, you're going to put yourself in a position where you fall. And calamity comes from it. And it's all centered around the same idea of that righteousness is the chief thing. And integrity shall lead us. In verse 7, said the wicked man died. When the wicked man died, his expectations shall perish. And the hope of an unjust man perishes. So when the wicked man die. His expectations, the longing, the desires of his heart, they come to an end. But the hope of an, and the hope of an unjust man perisheth. So when it comes to the end of the wicked man, the unjust man, all the hopes, all the desires of their hearts are cut off. Righteous man, God, lead. Wicked man, when it comes to the day of death and the day of judgment, there's no hope for him. His hope, his expectation is going to be cut off. There's many people who expect they're going to have a great life, going to live a grand thing. And when they all said and done, some of them think we're just going to be asleep. And, and, and our eyes are going to be closed and y'all just going to remember me on the t-shirt. The hope and the expectation of the unjust man is going to be cut off. And this whole idea that I'm going to sin and life is going to be great, those expectations are going to be cut. Is there heaven for a G? Depends on what you mean by that. <laughs> because expectations of wickedness going to take you to ruin and nothing you can have other than righteousness can deliver you in the day of death. Go to the next one in verse 8. said the righteous is delivered out of trouble and the wicked cometh in his stead or in his place. 
So when it comes to calamity or hard times, and it all connected with this picture of final day of wrath, the final judgment, said the righteous is delivered out of it. The righteous get escaped. The righteous get rescued. But the wicked, it says, coming in his stead. So the place of judgment that was made for one man, the wicked man takes up that place. And it's this idea of righteousness is the thing that leads us, it guides us in this life, but it also guides us in the next life. But if you're wicked, you're going to fall and there's no hope, there's destruction. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And so in our pursuit, we have to pursue righteousness. We're going to expound on that a little bit more as we go. In verse 9, said, A hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge the just shall be delivered. A hypocrite, that's a deceitful man, a fake man, with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. So this is the idea of a unjust man, a wicked man, a hypocritical man, a deceitful man, has the ability to bring ruin to those around him just by the way that he speaks. So he can say, he can be slick with his mouth, and it can bring hurt to his family, to the people around him, to the people close to him. And the contrast is, a righteous man, his knowledge delivers him. And this is the idea of that contrast, is that the wicked man can hurt and he can bring pain to those around him, but a truly righteous man has something that he knows that allows him to escape from that judgment that's going to come from that wicked man. So people can come into your life and their intentions, whether they know it or not, could be to bring harm by what they're saying to you. They run their mouth, they teaching you, they guiding you, they talking about you, they just stirring up mess, and it can bring destruction to you. But the righteous has a knowledge that allows him to navigate, to escape from the trap that's set by the mouth of that hypocrite. Y'all understanding what I'm saying? Go ahead. No. Because if I understand what you mean, when you talk about, but she has a good heart. That means her intentions are not necessarily evil. That's what you mean. Like she ain't trying to hurt with their mouth. Uh-huh. Not clean, but they can have good intentions. So it's the idea of like you, you got a, 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 a older sibling, a papa, a auntie, grandma, and their intentions are, are good. They trying to tell you something that they think will benefit you. But there's some deceit. And that's the idea of the hypocrite. There's some things that don't quite line up. And that has the ability to bring destruction. So what they're trying to do is help you. But by their mouth, they're telling you something that's going to destroy you. And the idea is that you have to have knowledge enough to know what is good and what is right. And with that knowledge, the righteous man, he escapes. So you're trying to tell me what's right. You know what I'm saying? We all had this conversation, babe. I know what the Bible said, but they got good intentions when they're doing that. Oh, I know what you're trying to do, but what you need to do, they have good intentions, but with their mouth, there's deceit in there. There's some untruth. There's, there's a mixture of falsehood in there. But the righteous man can hear that and he has knowledge enough that allows him to escape. That makes sense to you. So the intentions of their heart is not what's, what's connected here. It's the deceitfulness of what they're saying. You got it? 
Yeah, they're, they're saying something that's deceitful. They're saying something that can mislead. They're saying something that's mixed up. It got some truth and lying. And that's the thing that's going to destroy. But through knowledge shall the just or the righteous be delivered. In verse 10, when they go up well with the righteous, the city rejoices. It. And when the wicked perish, there is shouting. This is the idea of a, of a, of a city, a town. So when the righteous, when the good, when the righteous are being benefited, when, when, when what they're doing is going well, so the city rejoices. So there's celebration when righteous people are being benefited. But when the, um, as I said, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. So this is contrast of the things that the idea he's talking about is what can bring celebration to a city. So if we have a righteous leader and he's prospering in what he's doing, he said, the city rejoices in that. If there's wicked rulership and he dies, the city rejoices in that. So the depth of the wicked is the equivalent to the prosperity of the righteous when it comes to producing joy and rejoicing in people. Uh, you're understanding what he's saying. So celebration happens when somebody good and great exceeds. And when Saddam Hussein dies, they still party in the streets because there's a terror that go on and you just take this idea this one of the ones you have to pause on and think about it and just equate a city to your own house if you're righteous in your house and you're doing good and you're bringing bounty to it and this one we're going to come back to that creates joy and rejoicing in your house when people see the folk who doing good doing good that make everybody do good but if you're the one that get on everybody's nerve and you the one that just can't nobody stand. When you leave, people have fun. Yeah, we all got that uncle. Well, maybe y'all don't. The one that, when you, when you hear a car coming, like, man, the hunk. <laughs> Cause you know he finna come in, he finna talk trash to everybody, gonna already be drunk when he get there. I'm saying, <laughs> it just, ain't nobody going to have no fun but him. And the little goofy, silly little kids who have fun laughing at him. <laughs> you going to talk about it. Oh, I ain't going to even talk like, We all got that on. Well, I got that on. I don't know about y'all. I ain't going to put that on on y'all. But I believe y'all got it too. Hopefully ain't now one of y'all is that on. <laughs> Verse 11 said, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. So by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. So the city is lifted up. It gets better by the blessing of the upright, but it is destroyed by the or overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Now, we got this contrast with the mouth of the wicked connected with the blessing of the upright. So this let me know this blessing of the upright is not just like the last one with the upright or the righteous is doing good but it's the blessing that comes from the upright so there are some people there's some righteous people that has the ability to bless a city and pour out blessings upon the city by their manner of life but there are some other wicked folks who with their mouth that has the ability to overthrow or to tear down the city and that's the contrast one can lift up and one can destroy and the contrast is what they do with their mouth. One blesses while one is just full of wickedness with his mouth. And it's once again, I like to think about it when it comes to the home. 
There's those who have the ability to lift up the house and change the whole mood and the atmosphere of it. And there's those who have the ability to do it on the other end. To destroy the house, to overthrow the house, to make everything crazy just by their mouth. And this is why I want to, I think, and I keep in mindset when I think, talk to men about marriage. We do things a whole lot different around here. Man, if your house is crazy, it's your fault. Because a man is supposed to be the leader of his home. And you have the ability to exalt, to lift it up, to make it better. Or you have the ability to make the whole thing crazy. And your tongue is one of the things that can create that. Men need to be real men, need to be real leaders. And if your house is crazy, it's your fault. I don't care how crazy the woman is. You're supposed to be a man. But that, that's a whole nother subject. <laughs> Verse 12. He that is void of wisdom despise his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. So the one that don't have wisdom, the one that ain't wise, he despises or he hates or he shows discontent towards his neighbor. But the contrast is that a man of understanding holds his peace. And this is a heavy one. And go back and we're going to get on that a little bit. Truly righteous people, truly people of understanding have the ability to control their tongue. But the unrighteous, it says they despise their neighbor. They show contempt for them. So you throw off and it, and it just hatred is the thing that spews out of you. But the man that got understanding has the ability to turn it off. Just shut up. Hold his peace. To maintain his wholeness of being. To not let his peace be disturbed by what's going on around him. So to not put in a place where you're in contempt. But you can maintain your peace. And it's all in connection of being able to shut up. That's that's a heaven. We're going to keep coming back to that. A lot of folk can't understand that. And we're going to go with verse 13. Say, a tailbearer reveal its secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit conceal it the matter. A tailbearer is somebody that go around gossip. In the ideas of a traveling spokesman. So somebody who just go around bounce from place to place always got a story to tell. Like them type of people, they reveal the secret. Them folk, man, you ain't hear about. And them folk right there, it said they reveal its secrets. But the contrast to that is a man, I mean, a person that is of a faithful spirit. So a person that has a genuine spirit, a spirit of tr- a trustworthiness, the spirit that you can trust, they have the ability to hide a matter. So there's some people that you can speak to and you can pour out your heart to and they don't feel the need to tell. They have the ability to cover over, to hide a matter, to not tell all your business. So that's the contrast. So which one you think we should be? A faithful person or a tailbearer? Yeah, you you want faithful friends, so I guess you should be a faithful friend. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when nobody's up there to come around you, say the people fall or they get cast down or ruin comes to them because there is no counsel. When nobody can come alongside you and guide you, it says the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, when you surround yourself by people who can guide you, who can lead you, there's safety in that. There's some comfort in that. There's some connection. And we see that in the life of Solomon. When you contrast David with Solomon, there's not that big of a contrast when it talks about the man. 
David was a passionate man driven by his passion and his lust, and he made some very bad mistakes in his life. And that's the contemporary word of mistakes. I mean, he sinned. Dude was foul. Solomon, yeah, at the end, once he became king. Now, that, that dude on the back of the mountain playing his heart, that dude that was all right. But the dude that was a king, he wasn't right. But what he had was, when you read the story of David, you see people like Nathan show up. And he had that prophet that could come to him and say, hey, dude, you're wrong. And scold him. And, and, and get up in his ear and get in and get into him. There's no prophet mentioned in the life of Solomon. All we see in the life of Solomon is everybody flocking to him. We don't see anybody coming to rebuke Solomon. In the midst of his foolishness. He was the one that's surrounded by people who needed him. And had nobody that can say, hey, bro, no, nah, dog, we ain't doing that. Are you, you know, bro, they're wrong. And so he was the one that fell the farthest and got all up in idolatry and all that foolishness because there were no counsel with him. All of his counselors were people who looked up to him and revealed him, revered him. He had nobody that can pull his coattail. And if you living like that, where you are the top of all of your people, you're going to fall. All of us need to have somebody in our life that can say, hey, bro, you wrong. Or that can at least say, you sure about that? And that can question us and make us question ourselves and that we respect enough that can get up in our ear. But if you are your own voice and all the dictates of your heart is decided by your own mind, chances are you're going to fall. You're going to come to ruin. Because you need to be able to hear the counsel of wise people. And the multitude of counselors. You got enough people around you that can ask you them questions. You got enough people around you that, 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 can, I'm saying, that keep you on point. That every time you say something, they willing to say, no, nah, bro, I don't know about that. If all your folks, yeah, 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 you right. And you can switch your mind 10 minutes later and they be like, yeah, 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 you right. <laughs> Get some new friends. You need somebody to say, bro, didn't you yesterday you were talking about? You got all here. Yeah, yeah, bro. That, that cool right there, bro. I'm saying, I feel you. Yeah, yeah, is that right? Then you switch your mind. and be like, yeah, uh-huh. I was thinking about the same thing. We, you know what I'm saying? We, we need to hop on that. No. Ain't no safety in that. You're going to fall. You need somebody that's going to tell you, no, nah, bro, you're wrong. You know what I'm, I'm just saying, bro. That don't make no sense. You might need a, 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 a one that can just tell you, no, nah, bro, that's stupid. <laughs> so like, no, stop right now. That's stupid. If you ain't got that around you, ain't no safety. In verse 15, say he that hated he that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. And he that hated surety ship is sure. So the one that's surety, that's like I said, the easiest word that we got most translations gonna tell you mean cosign. So when you put yourself as a debt for somebody else, when you come into contract or, or more I mean, a financial obligation on the behalf of somebody else. The one that has the surety ship, the co-signer, the one that are always taking out loans and taking out debts, so they're going to smart for it. Means they're going to hurt. There's going to be some pain that comes in the back of that. But the one that hated surety ship, if you hate getting into debt, if you hate co-signing, you are have, you have safety. 
And that's anti-American. In our world, the only way you can have anything is if you borrow money. But in the biblical world, the only people who have anything is the people who have money. <laughs> if you got to borrow it, that means you don't got it. If you don't got it, that means you shouldn't be buying it. If it costs more than what you make, you can't afford it. And if somebody else got to pay for it for you, it's theirs. <laughs> it's just that simple. Saying when you get your new furniture and you got your radio from the rental center, that ain't your furniture. Yeah, I might look good. You can throw the block party, boom down the block, but that ain't your stuff. Because as soon as you make them payments, and that big old rental center truck pull up, <laughs> and all the hood all of a sudden got something to do outside, and then coming outside, <laughs> and watching your furniture get loaded up on that truck, people wrapping up your nice little glass end table with the panther on it. <laughs> That gonna hurt. That gonna hurt your feelings. <laughs> but if you hate suretyship, I mean, you refuse to take out loans. You refuse to co-sign. There's safety in that. Ain't nobody gonna come take your stuff. And you say, I might not have a little stuff. I might got that little $5, $25 boom box from Dollar General. That's fine. Ain't nobody gonna come take it. And why don't you stand out on your porch, listen to your $25 boom box, and watch your neighbor stuff get loaded on that truck? <laughs> I mean, that's just the reality of the matter. But if you live through that, uh, if you hate that barring, if you hate that, there's safety in it. We ain't going to stick too long on that. said, a gracious woman retains honor, and strong man retains riches. This is the idea. So the gracious woman, a woman that is well favored, is another form of a beautiful woman. But it's more than beauty. It's one that, that, that provokes favor from people. One that people like. A well-favored woman retains honor. And this is a descriptive thing that's set up something that's going to come around. it. So the, the gracious one, the one that's well-favored, the one that the people like, honor is theirs and you can't take it from them. That's the gracious. So the strong man retain riches. And this is the idea of the dude that has enough might to stop you from taking his stuff. You can't take his stuff. So you can't rob the strong man and you can't dishonor the gracious woman. Y'all understand that? That's a linchpin. That don't seem that spiritual, do it? It's simple. The gracious woman, the one that well favored, it's like, let's just say you all, I'll give you an example that you can understand. Like when you went to school and you had a little pretty girl. If said everybody like her, ain't too much you can say about her that brings disgrace to her. You be like, bro, she ain't all that. She got big old ears. And you be like, but she fine though, bro. <laughs> man, like, man, you see in that house? I'm gonna see it, bro. But she fine. <laughs> and the fact that everybody favors her, and the fact that he like her, you can't take honor away from her. The gracious woman, she retains honor. And the strong man, the dude that ain't nobody going to mess with, he going to keep his riches. Ain't nobody going to take it from him. And this is a principle of life, the one that you have to meditate on. But when it, just think about that. When it comes to life, and you are a gracious person, 
in your by your lifestyle, you're considered gracious, you're well favored. Honor is yours. Can't nobody take it away from you. When you the dude that everybody like, and all they can say about you, like, man, bro, he's just a good dude. Like, bro, bro, good people. You maintain honor. That's the graciousness. So he's taking the one that seems to be a natural principle and give you something to think about. Expand that thing. Because that dude, just think about it. When that dude that's got the reputation as a good dude, even if something come out about him, they'd be like, nah, man, not bruh. <laughs> like, no, you're a good dude. You know what I'm saying? And it, like I said, brother, like, I'm, I ain't going to pick on me. I'm going to pick on Jay this time. I imagine he was like this. Just think about it. It's a crazy principle. Dude that's well favored, humble, light. He had the ability, mothers, y'all pay attention to this. He had the ability to corrupt daughters because parents liked him. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, that happens. <laughs> And you dishonor parents, you disarm parents through your graciousness. He's such a nice guy. Well, and they didn't like him. Like, so respectable, nice young man. Even when he leaves, they'd be like, what happened to that boy? You just don't know. <laughs> Why you don't talk to that one no more? Like, Mama, if you only knew. <laughs> yeah, putting up the front. And that's the idea. <laughs> And that's the idea. I just, I see y'all can understand it from a negative, then you better than you could from a positive, but now you're getting the picture. The gracious maintains honor. You can't rob it away from them. But if you think about that principle, because these are things to be meditated on, and you flip it around and you let it meditate in your mind a little bit, and we're gonna see it applied in other places, but it's a basic thing. You can't take it away from them. And the so is with the strong. You can't take away their riches. Those who cannot be broken down, those who cannot be defeated, they're going to maintain the things that they have. That's one you didn't understand. A little bit. He's talking about that what it seems, but it's for you to flip them and let it flip around in your brain. On the surface, he's talking about exactly what he's talking about. Like, if Debo walking down the street with a pistol and a knot in his pocket, he's going to make it all the way to where he's going. <laughs> Ain't nobody finna mess with their money. But I pick on Jay again. If Jay were walking down the street <laughs> without a pistol and a knot in his pocket, if you wanted it, you can get it. Because you can overpower him. So those who have strength, those who cannot be defeated, you can't take what they have. And just think about that. In life, those who have strength, those who cannot be overcome, you cannot take what they have. So I give you a, a spiritual one. If you maintain it, you got the strength of the Lord, that's your joy. No matter what goes on around you, you cannot be defeated. They can't take what you have. Because the only way you take one, the strong man has to be defeated first. You, you understand what I'm saying? If you go into a home invasion to rob somebody, and you walking in there with a water pistol and you leave the husband unbound. You ain't going to make it up out of there. The first thing you got to do is take care of him. 
You got to bind the strong man. What he's saying, if the strong man cannot be defeated, you can't take the riches. So if you have the real strength, what you have cannot be taken from you. That's the basis of it. And if you truly are gracious, what you have will not be dishonored. And it's something for you to let that thing sit around and see all the different places that it applies. Verse 17, he's going to give you an example of it. Uh, As this goes down through, he said, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. So the ones that show mercy, the ones that got compassion, he benefit his own body. He doing good to himself. But the one that is cruel, the one that is hateful, the one that is mean, he bringing harm on his own life. And this one you need to think about too, uh, again, the one that is merciful, one that is compassionate, he benefit himself. So what are people trying to take advantage of you? What if, I'm saying, what are people trying to take advantage of you? You being merciful, you being compassionate, but they trying to take advantage of you. Is this proverb still true? If people trying to take advantage of you, they trying to misuse your compassion, is it still true? It is. If you're doing something out of mercy, it's God that repays, not people. So when you're being compassionate, when you're being merciful, merciful, regardless of the intent of those who you're showing mercy to, you are still benefiting yourself. So it still benefits you to be compassionate. And just think about it. If I'm doing something out of the kindness of my heart, I'm doing it. You cannot take advantage of me because I'm doing what I intended to do. No matter what your mind is, I intended to do. You're not forcing me to do something I did not want to do. I wanted to show compassion to you. I wanted to look out for you. It's me that want to help you. It don't matter what your intentions is. You and God have to deal with that. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And those one of those traps that we can get caught up in in life. Like, man, these people, what did it? You don't got to worry about that. If your intentions and you doing what you intended to do, you being merciful, you being compassionate. Now, if you didn't intend to do it and folks forcing you and manipulating you and doing something you don't want to do, you got a whole nother problem. But if you're doing the full intent of your heart and people might not take it for serious or discount it or thinking they're getting over that ain't your concern. They're not appreciative, that ain't your concern. You're doing what you intended to do. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Go ahead. Yeah, that, that, that ain't your concern. Like I said, if you're doing something that you ain't meant to do, now you, you know what I'm saying, that's something you need to think about. If, you, if you're forcing or altering your life out of a compulsion of something other than this is just who I am and it's just me wanting to show love, now you got something you need to wrestle with and that's a whole nother issue. But if you're just genuinely being you, like if I got it, I can give it to you, man, that's, that's it. And we're going to come back to that one Maybe a couple chapters down the road. So the wicked man worketh a deceitful work. But to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. So the wicked man worketh a trickery work. A work that 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 seems like it's going to benefit, but in the end it doesn't. That's what it means by a deceitful work. It seems like it got one end, but it's the end of it is something else. But him that soweth righteousness. So you out there, you putting out righteousness, you got a sure or a firm reward. You know exactly what you're going to get back. Ain't no deceit in that. And that's the contrast in there. So as righteousness tended to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. So righteousness, 
When you're going after it, the end result of that is life. When you're pursuing evil, you're doing it to your own demise or to your own death. 20, they that are froward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. And now we bring up this abomination in upright, I mean delight again from the start of the chapter. So they that are perverse in their way are froward in their heart are an abomination to the Lord. Now, we all heard this saying, I'm going to keep picking with it until we get it out of our language. God knows my heart. And people always understand that God, God know my heart. And what this tells us is your heart, if it's perverse, if it is wicked, God hates it. So those who are forward in their heart, and what we said, but forward is perverseness. What is perverseness? Anything that ain't what it was intended to be. So if your heart ain't what God created to be, God hates it. But those who are upright are his delight. God take pleasure in the righteous. What God hates or he has an abomination. It makes him sick, the perverted heart. And it's an idea that we need to let sit for a minute. Because in our world, in our culture, people think that God is just like this soft little punk who, who just sitting up there begging for people to get saved. And like, you know what I'm saying? He really wants you. And he, he don't want you in the streets. And his heart is breaking and all that type of stuff. And everything you do is okay. And God don't care. That's a lie. God is a real man in a real position and his position is firm and those who have a heart that are against him, he can, he got abomination. That's wrath. That is a disposition of his. Love don't mean I accept everything. And so there are some people who are in a position that got a relationship with God and that relationship is not good. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? But the just, the upright, the righteous, they are his delight. God takes pleasure in those people. Verse 21 said, though hand joined in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. So they're hand joined in hand. So they can make a coalition. So no matter what type of agreements are made, no matter what type of army is built up, the wicked shall not be unpunished. So no matter what goes on on this planet, what type of agreements, what type of system we set up, the wicked will be punished. But the righteous, they shall be delivered. And that's delivered from punishment. But that also gives us the idea they need to be delivered from it. That means some, some punishment or some judgment is supposed to be coming to who too? The righteous. We escape while they get it. But judgment from God comes upon all. Now, this was the little one that a lot of people seem to be disrespectful. Say, so as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair, a beautiful woman, which is without discretion. So just like a, a gold earring in the nose of a pig, so is a beautiful woman that doesn't have discretion. Now, like I said, a lot of people take that to be a disrespect. He comparing a woman to a pig. Not necessarily. Actually, what he's comparing a woman to is a gold ring. And beautiful adornment. So. As useless as it is. To take gold. And put it in the nose of a pig. He's saying it's just that useless. To take a beautiful woman. And don't have her be wise. That's 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 deep. So if you got the pretty dumb girl. You just got. A ring in the nose, <laughs> in the nose of a pig. So beautiful women 
Truly beautiful women are women who have discretion. That's discernment. The ability to be able to navigate life and discern what's right and what's wrong. But if you don't got that, you might as well just put gold earrings on a, on a pig. The desire of the righteous is only good, but is ex- but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. So the, the hope, the longest of the righteous is beneficiary. It is only good. It's going to be fleshed all the way out to its full, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. So the thing that the wicked get for their longing, the, the end result of the wicked is wrath. There is that that scattereth and yet increases. And there is that that would hold it more than is meat, but it tended to poverty. And now we're talking about dealing with your money. So there's one that scatters. What he means, he spreads it around. So there's somebody who got money and they spread it all around. But even though they're spreading it, they increase. And there's a contrast to that is there's somebody who hold more than what they need. And the end result of that is their poverty. So people giving can increase. People being stingy, it leads to poverty. And he's going to stay on this vein for a minute. Said so the liberal soul. Uh, the soul that, that is free, the not stingy soul shall be made fat, or shall increase. And he that watereth shall be watered himself. So the liberal soul, the soul that just gives it out, and that not stingy, willing to share, they're going to be increased. The one that waters, the one that's willing to shower out on other people, say they're going to be watered themselves. And it's the idea of the benevolent, the ones that are willing to give, the ones that are willing to share what they have, those going to be the people that increase are those going to be the people that gets it back and he says he that diligent i mean 26 he that would hold it corn the people shall curse him but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it and it adds a little uh another level to it so he that will hold the corn the first person that won't let nobody else get none so you got all the corn can't nobody else have none like the people gonna curse him but the person that's willing to disperse it and he says to sell it to exchange it, to put it out in the market. That's the blessed one. And there's this, this contrast of not being stingy, but willing to make everybody benefit from the benefit that you yourself have. And he add this little bit to let you know it's a little deeper than just giving away everything. But you put it in a position where the people can benefit from it. Instead of just hoarding it all to yourself, those are the people, the ones the people will bless. Go ahead. Yeah, the greedy... The people going to curse him. He that diligently seek good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come from him. So the person that goes out and he's consistent about seeking good. That could be good in the sense of doing good. Or good in the sense of benefiting other people. So the he that diligently seek good procureth favor. You gain favor. So people favor you if you out about your business seeking good. You're doing good. But the one that seek mischief, the one that seek to be underhand, the one that seek hurt, the one that seek harm, said that mischief that he seek, that's going to come upon him. So if you're seeking good, you get favor. If you're seeking mischief, you get the same mischief that you seek. So if you go out there stealing, people are going to steal from you. That's just, that's just the way of the world. You out there cheating, your girl going to cheat on you. And don't you get mad and try to slap her. <laughs> what, 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 what the world? Don't hate the player, hate the game. You played. <laughs> so hate the game. Hate it all the way. That means don't do nothing in it. Verse 28. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall. 
but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. And it's all coming down the same line. The one that trusts or you rely upon your riches, you're going to fall. You're going to be cast down. But the righteous, the one that do is right, they're going to flourish as a branch. So they're going to be increased. If you trust in your riches, you fall. But if you pursue righteousness, you increase. If you're going about seeking mischief, you're going to get mischief. But if you're going about seeking good, people are going to favor you. If you're willing to share, if you're willing to disperse, you're going to get back. But if you're holding on to it, if you're being stingy, you're going to end up poor. And it's the same contrast of being benevolent in the way that you deal with people. And you're treating people in a manner that's for the benefit of everybody. And it says the, in verse 29, He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise in heart. So he that brings trouble to his own house, what you're going to inherit is the wind. That means nothing. Just like you grab the wind in your hand, that's what you get when you bring hardship, trouble to your own house. I'm saying you want the one that mama can't stand. You ain't getting nothing, bro. The one that brings trouble, the one that brings hardship to his house is the one that inherits the wind. It ain't good for you. Yeah, y'all understand that. And I almost want to click. That's a conversation I be having with my boys at work. I do. You can't say you love your mama when you're out there thug. You ask me, why do you say that? Because your thugging is the thing that keeps your mama up at night and brings stress and hardship on her life. Now, too many of them. I'm saying you locked up, she fine. Now, I got a little boy, every time he called home, mama, mama, you, you, you gonna call my lawyer? Mama like, you gotta do that time, bro. <laughs> and he don't get it. He think your mama tripping. Mama like, you stay, you good, where you at? Stay right there. You know <laughs> You straight. I ain't gotta worry about you right now. You good, where you at? Stay right there. And he don't understand. Mom, mom, you gonna call my lawyer. These folks ain't gonna let me out. You gotta do that time, bruh. I love to hear say. <laughs> and the fools shall be servant to the wise at heart. So the one that troubles his house, what you get is the wind. But the fool, the, the, the foolish son, or the, the foolish one, they gonna be serving, or they gonna be below the wise in heart. They said we all like I don't know about y'all family, but everybody, you just seen some of this type of family where you got a middle child or a baby child, and that's the go-to for the parent. Like when mama needs something done, you got one the middle one or the baby one, that's the go-to. When need business taken care of, that's the go-to. And it shows you that that's the one the mama trusts to handle the business. Because the nine times out of ten when the situation is like that, the older ones are foolish. And you know business ain't going to get taken care of if I put it in their hand. So this is my go-to. Even when sometimes mama gets something that comes perplexing, don't make sense to her, she got that one or two little children, she calls. Hey, I reading that thing on my base statement. And these folks said that, that, that what what I need to do. You go into the baby. And you got bigger brothers and sisters that that, that nobody deal with. And it's the idea of unstated. And it don't happen because it chosen that way. It's just life set it up that way. The wise in heart, the fool shall be servant to them. And that's the idea that they're gonna be placed below them. So when it's all said and done, if we put it in the context of inheritance, if your folk got some. 
when it's set up and they're setting up beneficiary, they started when they got that job way back, they put the oldest one on there. Then after a couple of years, they realized the oldest one won there. And they don't say nothing to nobody. And they go down to HR and they change that thing. <laughs> and they put baby on <laughs> And the idea when it's all said and done, the baby child is the one that's going to be handling the business. Or that middle child. And it's the foolish ones that are subject to him. So when they bury your mama and making the arraignment, this is the one that's running. You got the oldest one that depending on him. No, we need to do this for mama. And you got this one that, no, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to... And, and it's understood. And it ain't something that got to be said and even them others understand it. Because the wise in heart are the ones who are going to take leadership. Well, that's what it mean by the fool shall be servant to the wise in heart. Life is set up that when you demonstrate yourself to be the wise and you demonstrate yourself to live a life a certain way, you automatically just start to rise. And other folks automatically fall in line up under you, not even being conscious of what's going on. You become the little big brother. Now, y'all understanding what I'm saying? And sometimes you can see it in work. Well, you got folks who ain't got the degrees, who ain't got all that, but people listen to them. And it's just because of the way they navigate life. And you, we can all see it of those, us who've been through life. Like that, that dude that didn't nobody like, the dork, the geek, the whatever one. Ten times out of eleven, that's who offers you being in. Saying with your application and <laughs> your nice little suit, be like, uh, how's it going, Mr. Justice? <laughs> because the wise eventually rise above the foolish. Now you were cool in school and everybody flopped to you and you were the man and everybody ran to you, but life has a good way of just leveling that thing on out. And you'd be like, oh, sir. <laughs> And he looking up there, now he cool. And bro, then, then you go to, uh, call. <laughs> and you go home, man, you know that. <laughs> he the boss up there. <laughs> man, then the world. How they let that, man? Anybody can get a job nowadays, man. But that's, a, <laughs> but that's why life ended up balancing this thing out. Verse 31. I mean, what am I? Verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that win it sold is wise. So the end result of the righteous. So righteous activity is a tree of life. That's what he mean by the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Righteous activity produces life, but it is a tree of life. And it says, and he that win it souls is wise. So the one that captures people is the basis of what that means. The one that captures people to them, the one that draws that's the one that is wise, the one that wins souls, the one that captivates souls, the one that captures people. That's the wise one. And the fruit of life is a tree of life. I mean, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. And there's a way for you to live that captures people and it enraptures people. And the question is what you do with that. You know what I'm saying? When, when you get that attention, when you get the favor of people, what do you do with it? The one that win up souls, that's the wise one. And it's the opposition of one who tears down or one who pushes people away. When you pull people in, that you're a wise person. And the question is what you do with that, with that favor, with that influence, is what separates the real from the fake. Verse 31, Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. Now this is a heavy one. 
the righteous shall be recompensed. So the righteous going to be repaid in the earth. So there's judgment that going to come to the righteous. And it says much more the wicked and the sinner. So if the righteous is going to be judged and if the righteous is going to have a reciprocation based on their life, it's going to be even greater that judgment, that reciprocation for the wicked and the sinner. That's the thing that he's saying here. The righteous does not escape from judgment. They will be recompensed in the earth. Even more so shall the wicked and the sinner. Are y'all tracking with me? See, can we push a couple more through this first little section of 12? It says, chapter 12, verse 1. Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish or foolish. So the one that loves instruction, loves knowledge. The one that you can correct, that's the person that loves knowledge. But the one that hate to be corrected, you can't tell them nothing. That's a foolish man. A good man obtains favor of the Lord, but a wicked, a man of wicked devices, he will condemn. So the one that good, the one that does that which is pleasant, the one that does that which is beneficial, he gets favor from God. God looks at him in a position where he want to do something for him. But the opposition to that is a man of wicked devices. Wicked devices is the one that comes up with wicked ideas. Your mind, you plot up on, on, on evilness. So that man will God condemn. A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous shall not be removed. So wickedness won't firm, won't plant you in this life. But the righteous, they won't be moved. We talked about that a little bit last week. That the righteous will inherit the earth. God going to burn this whole thing up again one day. And only the righteous going to remain. We don't live forever in heaven. We're going to be here. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh a shame is rottenness in his bone. Now, this one of young men, you need to think about that. A virtuous woman is a crown. A, one, a virtuous woman brings glory, brings honor, makes her husband look good. But the one that brings shame, the shameful woman, the one that brings disgrace is as rottenness to his bones. It's basically like if your bones start to decay away in the middle of your body, that's the equivalent of you getting a shameful, disgraceful woman. You're going to hurt for it. Brother, it, it mess you up. And all too often, this is the one decision that I've seen ruin too many people lie. Brother be doing good, going good, then they marry the wrong person. And it's just like, Lord, and it's over with. And that's one to think about. And it's one to think about on the converse. Could that be true for a husband to his wife? Can a husband be the crown of his wife? And one that make a shame be rottenness to the bone. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. So the thoughts of the righteous, the things that the righteous think up, their schemes, their plans, their ideas about things, they are right. They're trustworthy. They're straight. You can be guided by them. And in contrast with that is the counsels. The advice of the wicked are deceit or they're they're trickery. It is deception. So if you listen to the wicked and you're taking their advice, that's deception. And you end up tricking yourself. But the advice of the righteous, that's what's right. That's the thing that you can guide yourself by. So we do not consult the wicked when it comes to life. Like I said, as one poet said, it stuck up in my brain. So why should we consult the dead on the half of the living when they don't know what living is like? The words of the wicked are to lie and wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Same thing. The words of the wicked are to lie in late, wait for blood. That's to lurk, to hide out, to, to take advantage of somebody. To hide out, to destroy somebody. To hide out, to kill somebody. That's what their words are. 
And so it's something that's under the surface, that's beneath, that has the ability, is hurt, is lurking around to destroy you. But the contrast is the mouth of the upright shall deliver them. The tongue that the righteous got, it has the ability to get you out of the trap set by the wicked. So that's the contrast. One trap can set you up and destroy you, while your mouth, if you are righteous, has the ability to get you out of that so that you don't end up being destroyed. Said it, man, the wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the righteous shall stand. The same thing we were talking about last week. The wicked are overthrown, they're cast down, they're, they're destroyed, they're put into judgment, and there are no more. There's going to come a day where this earth is going to be filled with only righteous people. That's our hope. We're not hoping that one day we're going to go to heaven and float on clouds and play harps. The Bible doesn't teach that. Preachers teach that. Our hope is one day God is going to come back down. He's going to destroy this earth and everybody that's unrighteous. And he's going to set up a brand new kingdom. And we're going to be here with them. There will be no unrighteousness. So the wicked going to be overthrown and are not. But the righteous going to abide forever. We're going to reign and rule on this planet. With God being right here on this planet in the midst of us. We can go up and talk with Christ. We can go up and ascend into the heights of the heaven. Because heaven and earth going to be one great system. One great planet that we going to live on. We ain't floating on clouds forever. I don't know where that come from. But that ain't biblical teaching. Huh? No, that ain't what he's talking about. All right. I get through this one. Where we at? Verse eight said, "A man shall be, a man shall be commanded, commended according to his wisdom. But he that is of a perverse heart shall be despised." It's the same thing, though. So those who are righteous, you're gonna be amended, commended. People gonna congratulate you in accordance to how wise you are. But if you got a perverse heart, you're gonna be despised. People gonna hate you. They gonna hold you in contempt. And he that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lack bread. Now that's a deep one right there. He that is despised and hath a servant is better than he that honoreth himself and lacketh bread. So the idea, so there's going to be some people who are looked down on in life. Is that those people who are despised and hath a servant. And that idea of a servant is like a maid servant, not a slave like what we did in America. That's the devil. But it's the idea of having somebody to work with you. It give the picture of and when they're dying, what we would call the middle class person. You got a maid servant. So that's the identity of middle class person. You can sustain a servant and you can live. So the person that's despised and live like that is better than him that is honored and like bread. Now this one we understand a little better. How many of you people know folks who got $200 shoes, $80 jeans, $20, $30 t-shirts, and no money in their pocket. That's the idea. Those who are honored. So when people see you, like, bro, he believe he it. I'm saying, bro, bro. But he lacked bread. When he needs something for life and substance, he's like, mama. <laughs> the man who, who people hate, and got a little bit is far greater than the man who people revere and honor and ain't got nothing. And that's the that's the idea what we what we call hood rich. Joe got everything. 
on the surface. I'm gonna, it looked good. But when it come down to it, like, hey, um, let me, can, 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 can I get $200? My, my, my light's about to be cut off. But you got a 60 inch TV, a $300 Xbox, $300 PlayStation 4, you got a $1,000 cell phone, but you can't pay your light bill. That's the person that's honored. I mean, you see, bro, bro, bro doing it. The dude got the big dunk with, with all the nice $1,000 paint job and $5,000 rim. But have to stop every couple of days because he can't put for five, ten dollars in a gas in there. <laughs> bro, bro, you know what I'm saying? Let me, let me get ten on pump too. Uh, you shooting bad, bro. <laughs> That's the one that honored, but lack bread. Better to have people hate you and you got a little bit. Then it be held in honor, and you ain't got nothing at all. That's that's the idea of that one. Like I said, that one we we can sit on for a good little bit. Said so a righteous man regarded the life of his beast, but it but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. So a righteous man regarded the life of his beast. Or so a righteous man, when he working his beast, when he doing his deal, he thinks about the very life of his beast. He's willing to consider how what he doing is affecting his beast. He he, he take care of his thing. Said, so, but the mercies. Of the wicked are cruel. Now this is one of the ones you have to think about a little bit. And there's a principle. We should have talked about it earlier. When it comes to Bible interpretation. As we meditate on things. If it is of the lesser. Even more so of the greater. So if something should be done this way for the lesser. It should be even more so for the greater. Like Paul picks up that principle. When he talks about. You don't muzzle the ox. When he treading. So if you got an ox and you out there, you don't put a muzzle on his mouth. You let him eat. And Paul takes that principle to apply to men. Now, when Moses wrote that, he was not talking about men. He was talking about a real ox. So when you work in the ox, you let him eat. And what Paul's saying is if you got a man that is working, he's worthy of his hire. If you do it for an ox, even much more so for a man. And in this one, he says that the righteous Take care of the animals. So if you do it for an animal, even much more so for a man. But the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. And I can't think of read this without thinking about I'm saying I um I'm gonna say Jay's Christian ancestor. (laughs) They ain't mine. (laughs) The the willingness to mistreat a human being. And to be cruel to a human being is the epitome of unrighteousness. You cannot be righteous and be cruel to humans. Those two don't match. If the Bible honors righteous people for taking care of an animal, and the contrast is the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel, they mistreat their animals, how much more so when it comes to human beings? You can't beat a man mistreat a man, humiliate a man, and treat him as less than a man and say that you're a righteous person. That does not match. So when we look in our, in Jay's ancestors, and we see all the great preachers of the past who use slave labor to build up orphanages, come on now, 
And they might say, well, they were kind to their slave. You ain't kind to a man if you won't let him be a man. That ain't kind at all. But that's a whole other subject that we ain't supposed to be talking about today. But y'all, y'all understand that. That's something you think about. You cannot mistreat people and call yourself righteous. Even the, the, the fake preacher man who, who, who cheat on his wife and holler at his wife. If you can't mistreat an animal, if you mistreat your woman, you ain't righteous. I'm saying if, if she got to hold her tongue when y'all go places because she hear you preach and she's just thinking about all that foolishness that happened last night, you are not a righteous man. I don't care about how many books you wrote or how many quote-unquote souls you saved, you are not a righteous man. When your children cower in fear when you come home, you are not a righteous man. Righteous people are compassionate people. Righteous people have a care for human life. All of it. I'm saying, you the dude who your daughter got caught cheating and you trying to get her to have a backdoor abortion, you are not a righteous man. Righteous people don't kill people. An abortion is murder. It's not a choice. Well, it is a choice. You're choosing to kill people. Ain't no difference between you and the thug on the west side who's shooting folk. You're doing the same thing. You are not a right. Hold on. Y'all let me stop. I'm supposed to stop right there. I'm trying to make it to the end of that. 11. He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he that followeth with vain persons is void of understanding. So the one that works his land, the one that cultivates his land, he the one that's going to be satisfied. So the one that's willing to get out there and do what needs to be done to produce the thing that he wants, that's the one that's going to get what he desires. And the contrast is that it says, he that followeth vain persons. Now you see that and you, if you're reading the King James, that should be italicized because that word is not there. And they put that in to try to make it make sense. But it's really the ones who follow vanities. And the idea is those who just go out there and, and, and they're they, they chasing a dream. They're not willing to grind. They're not willing to put in the work. And that's what I'm saying. They're just going off every little whim, every little thing that come their way. Them the folks that are going to come to want or come to poverty. And them the folks that don't have understanding. If you're lazy, not willing to work, you're not a wise man. If you waste your time pursuing vain or empty things, you're not a wise man. And you will be unsatisfied. The ones who work are the ones who get what they want. And that's why daydreamers are the biggest procrastinators whatsoever. Because we get satisfied out just thinking about stuff. You come up with a great plan. Ain't going to do nothing. And you can write it down and map it out, and then that be the end of it. You feel good like you did something, then it come day one. We're going to start on the first. You ain't did a thing. But the one that's willing to get out there and work, then the ones that are going to be satisfied. So lazy people going to be just that. Lazy people. Twelve. The wicked desired the net of evil man, but the root of righteousness yielded fruit. And we'll pause right there. The wicked desired the net of evil man, but the root of the righteous yielded fruit. So the wicked they long for the net of the evil men. And it's the idea, and he's given a metaphorical picture. But we talked about this before, that the lifestyle of the wicked is the thing that traps them. So that's the thing that catch them up. So the way that they live, that's their trap. That's the thing that's going to bring them into the place where they're going to be caught up in life. And what he says is the wicked desire that net. So they want the net. They want the lifestyle of the evil men, but all it is is a net. Now all it is something that's going to get you tangled up and twisted up. But you long for that. 
And that's the picture. Your heart want to be that stuff. Your heart long for that. I remember the thing when I was living in, in high school. I wanted to be like Iceberg Slim. Or at least the picture I saw of. Y'all, most y'all around, I don't know who that is. And please don't find out who he is. <laughs> but I wanted to be like that brother. So I was 17, 16, 17, broke in the mud, straight out the project. But I'm wearing ostrich skin shoes, <laughs> silk shirts, trying to be a pimp. <laughs> And in my mind, boy, I was going to be a pimp as soon as I got out of my mama's house. <laughs> and that's the wicked desires to net up the evil. Because it was something. I can't even tell you what it was about the lifestyle that just was appealing. Talking about appealing like a mother. I even got so bad, I'm ashamed of it now. But brother saying, without Corona, grew out his fro. I ain't going to even go into that, I tell you that. <laughs> We'll talk about that. I tell the buke about that later on. <laughs> and it said, but he, I mean, but the root of the righteous, it yielded fruit. So if you want the net of the evil men, that ain't nothing but a trap if you're pursuing that lifestyle. But the root of the righteous, the, the offshoot, the thing that make the righteous the righteous, that's the thing that produces fruit in life. That's the thing that brings benefit. That's the thing that produces life. And it's a question of which one do you desire? Do you desire fruit or do you desire a net? Something that's going to trap you up or something that's going to feed you? And that's the question of shown by what it is that you want in life, what you pursue. Anybody got any questions? 